0: Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top level COOs share their insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold.
1: Joseph Sharifax is both the chief operating officer and chief financial officer at MaraPost, Post, a unified customer engagement platform designed to provide a single solution for all areas of business, including marketing, commerce, service, clienteling, referral, and more. Prior to officially joining MaraPost in 2017, he consulted with the company as an investment banker for three years. Since joining MaraPost, Joseph has proven himself to be more than a standard CFO. Continually taking on projects beyond his department, the former investment banker was quickly recognized as a cross-departmental leader, while still managing to streamline the company's financial systems for future growth. He holds both a Bachelor of Commerce degree and an MBA from the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. Joseph, thanks for joining us on the Second in Command podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. It's an honor. We've been I've been listening for quite some time, so it's uh, it's great to to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting when um, I was talking to someone the other day about the COO role, and we were talking about a, a Harvard Business Review article that came out around 15 years ago that was called "The Misunderstood Role of the COO," and it's it's one of those roles that in some organization people, people cover very different areas. Like you've got finance reporting to you and I was talking to CEO the other day and that's the last area he could ever have reporting to him. How, how was it for you to make the transition from being the, um, the investment banking and coming into the operations side of
0: the business? How'd you do that? Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. And you know, I think, in investment banking. You know, we've worked. I, I followed and and worked with uh, technology companies in in North America. So, you know, I knew, um, and I, I was a career investment banker. So, I've seen a lot of stories, but never actually jumped in and and really, you know, delved into what's behind the numbers. And I got to say, it's been it's been a very exciting to to do that and to be able to have the opportunity to do that. But um, you know, I, I have read that article, and it's uh, as you probably know, and 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 it's um it's interesting. We actually have recently, you know, it, it's a relationship that the COO and the CEO has, and each and every the, you know, the article goes into a, a good, you know, kind of characterization of the different types that typically you know um, companies see. But we've actually been what's resonated with us is a, a book called Rocket Fuel by uh, Gino Wickman and uh, Mark C. Winters and and really that visionary integrator role and and the difference between um you know what needs to be put in place in order to put traction to to an idea and and it's uh that's really resonated with us and we kind of modeled the whole business around that so so yeah, it's uh
1: definitely lots of ways to think about it it's interesting i was sitting with mark and gino 2 days ago at a conference called abundance 360 we oh wow I've known them for years. Yeah, we we're uh, we're both in a program called Strategic Coach together, and then we we all attended uh, Abundance three hundred and sixty. So we were chatting when we were there. They did a really great job. Honestly, it. yeah,
0: they're their are Yeah, it, it's changed the way we do um, we do business here. It's, it's 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 really great. So you guys use
1: traction internally, then
0: we use. You know, it's not really uh, followed religiously. I think that what we've done is, and, and that's kind of uh, one thing we found is the key you know, there's no real one perfect strategy, especially with this type of a relationship in the company. And and so, you know, we've been able to take um, maybe the best parts or the parts that resonate with with, yes. with the company and, and our relationship most. And, you know, kind of, and we are where we are. You know, I think we use um, a lot of the templates for our executive team meetings uh, from, from Rocket Fuel. You know, we really have resonated with that type of, um, radical, you know, and I'm going to use another term here, radical candor. But, you know, it's really that, um, you know, identifying issues, discussing them and solving them and really having those passionate, um, exhausting discussions. But, you know, we come out of them with faster decisions. And one thing I've noticed uh, in coming from, you know, the investment making world is fast paced. But, um, you know, in, in a, in a fast growing company, decisions uh, can hold up uh, you know, the the entire uh, resource allocation of the company. So it's really, how do we get the decisions faster and, you know, kind of pivot, fail fast, learn fast and keep moving forward. It's interesting you mentioned the whole radical candor and fast decisions. I mean, that's
1: something that I think so many companies miss the point on is that just because you're debating and arguing for something doesn't mean you don't like each other. It means you're actually debating something you're both passionately or many of you are passionately engaged in that's exactly what you're looking for. The key is to keep the trust level high. So how do you guys keep the trust level high between you and the CEO
0: first and then also between you and the rest of the management team? That's, that's a good question. You know, um, my relationship with Ross, the CEO, is, is one of, you know, um, friendship, you know, mutual respect and, and, you know, I think clearly defining our roles and, and what we each at- are set forth on and are accountable for is really important. And you know, I think when you have that commitment to telling the truth, no matter how much it uh, could be painful in the short term, and that we, you know, we're all on the same collective rocket to you know together. That that reassurance helps a lot. And you know, I think what's resonated most with us with our leadership team is is transparency. You know, I think. Um, one thing we, I think we do well here is, is, you know, the CEO and I, our discussions are our discussions and, and things that happen uh, between us are, are, are kind of sheltered there and they stay there and, and we disseminate and communicate in an aligned fashion to the company. And I think that that's very important and no one's doing their own kind of end run and, or, or, or um, having different conversations and, and that kind of solidarity helps and con- consistency helps build that trust and, and build. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's something that continuously needs to happen over time. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, kind of nurtured. That's the huge one that you just uncovered. And I think
1: so many people um, maybe we haven't talk, talked about it enough yet, but that's why I believe the CEO CO role is so critical is that it almost has to be like, um, you know, two parents raising a family. You can't separate the two parents from each other. The, the, if the, they can argue and debate and discuss, but in front of the children, they have to remain that unified force. So when you're, let's say that you and Ross are, are really passionately disagreeing on something, are you doing it with the rest of the team around or do you often try to have those discussions and debates privately?
0: Never with the other team around. Um, you know, I think we've, we've, ha- we've done a good job at, at recognizing when you know, you know, we'll be in a leadership team team meeting, for example. And I think a topic will, will come up that, you know, maybe the CEO and I haven't seen eye to eye on just yet, or we haven't gotten to the bottom of, of, you know, kind of what our path forward is on that specific issue. We'll defer it. And, 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 you know, I think that because I don't, the team should never see us um, um, misaligned. And, And I think that we, we, we hold true to that and, you know, we have, Definitely, deep, passionate discussions uh, afterwards. But we we seem to have always, over the course of our two-year relationship, and I've known Ross for much longer. But we uh, always, you know, have a you know, as part of our relationship, we have a good structure of coming to um, agreements. And even if it's a agree to disagree, and you know, I like a Jeff Bezos term, you know, disagree and commit at times as well, where we sometimes just want to defer, but be behind um, that decision fully you know, and, and not uh, have uh, revisited later on and do the whole, I told you so. So, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's discipline. This stuff is discipline. It's hard because, you know, human nature is to do, um, is, to, is, is maybe to not have that type of reaction. So, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's time consuming and mind can, and it consumes, you know, kind of your thoughts. So uh, it's having that discipline. That's good. You, you mentioned something
1: earlier about, um, kind of, I guess when you got involved as the COO and you started to see the business behind the numbers, what, what did you start to see that you really never saw as an investment banker? What do you think investment bankers are missing that when you got in there, you saw something different? That's I, I a really I, good question. I don't, I don't want to lead you, but I think I knew where you were going with that.
0: No, for sure. And I think, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, coming through the investment banking ranks, you know, you can kind of tell uh, what's a good management team. What's, you know, there's a, there's an investment thesis and you understand, you know, good market, good financial, strong revenue growth, you know, path to profitability. When you think about a, a tech company at some point, or depending on, on what phase of their life cycle they're in, uh, good management team and so on and so forth. But it's that management team and the team that you build that I never really um, I, I I almost got immersed into it and felt it. And what's behind the numbers is people. And and we've, you know, when I came into Mirpost, I think we had, we were growing so fast, and and that decisions were made to bring people on that just were filling holes. It's like great, you know how to do this, you've done it before. I need you in marketing, and great, you sound great. Let's put you in this role. And I think everyone had the. Uh, aptitude, but maybe not, you know, the right um, fit for, for our company. And and I've, I've been able to notice how when you put a group of collective people together with a sh- shared value set, and, you know, kind of the ability to learn and the ability to have that to build to have the aptitude, there's a lot of great things that can happen. And so one of the biggest things I w- one of my first kind of focus was bringing in and and getting sharp on our hiring and that doesn't mean that we want we're hiring quote-unquote better people it meant we were focusing on who fits well and who was had the Maripost, um DNA in them
1: you know and I think that was where I was hoping you were going to go was into the people side because when you sit and look at the numbers or the spreadsheet or business plan it's easy to sit there and and, ex, you know, expect certain things to happen or say, well, if you just pull these two levers, then, you know, X plus Y equals Z. Well, not necessarily when there's people involved in all that. And I think that is, that is the complexity of the business too, right? You, um, how do you stay on, tell us very, very quickly about MaraPost. Like what is it exactly? We should maybe even started with that, but but what is MaraPost just for any listeners who don't know what you guys do?
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I like to always, when we say who we are, I always, um, you know kind of default to talking about who we were and how we've evolved and so you know um Post began as a as a, a email service provider and over time you know we've evolved you know iteration of the past you know when i joined we were really focused on uh cross-channel marketing automation and building out not just email but you know social mobile and other types of you know kind of communication channels that that uh, marketers typically would use, and and we've evolved into really a customer engagement platform, and being able for for B two C companies and and being able to simplify customer engagement. And, and you know, right now we have um, we're doing that in marketing and commerce, and I think that the natural evolution from from you know kind of the cross channel marketing. Automation tool into adding the the other customer engagement um, channel, which is transactions and the ability to to to, to have a platform that can um, manage and give that 360 degree view of a customer all in one platform. Uh, and and you know I think companies like uh, Salesforce, Oracle, Adobe have been uh, acquiring their way to that 360 degree view and. And it's our true belief that building the platform from the ground up is uh, is, is, is going to be you know kind of our, our approach to that market
1: you um you mentioned just some of the uh, the insights i think the, or not the insights but I guess the tools related to customer engagement, so you guys see a lot of the data and, and really understand customers from a pretty wide i guess breadth of different companies that are your clients. What do you think? that companies are missing on, on the customer engagement side, what can, what can companies do if they agree we're were missing
0: on? I think, I think it's a good point. And, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's really just, um, building those many different touch points. You know, I think communication in general has, you know, started as, you know, kind of one-to-one conversations and, as you know, there was a time where communications and, and, and engagement was, you know, one message to many and where we're, we are now is, is really being able to have many one-to-one conversations, that personalized experience at scale. And so, you know, I think understanding the customer uh, a little bit better and and having and, and enabling. Uh, someone to be able to have those multiple different communication points and conversations with customers across different channels is super important. and I think um, companies today need to leverage multiple different channels and and it's evolving at such a rapid pace that um, you know being able to be current on what's resonating and what's not is really important. So getting that data back on on where are our our conversations and our touch points working well. Um, and being able to act on that it's hard to do because you know th- there's tech stacks that are bloated and you've got you know kind of multiple disparate information across different solutions to run your business and trying to have that all in one spot to get one view is, is difficult to do but it's a problem that uh, you know we're trying to crack and I think we're doing a great job with it so do you think
1: we're going do you think we're going lose the um, the one to one connection with our customers when we start putting in place things the automation and artificial intelligence to to have you know those parts of this i guess system automated more are we going to lose that connection or do you think that AI can can deliver it as well as a human can
0: I would say that you know AI isn't really it it depends on how you use it you know I think that that's probably a good um Um, kind of consideration. However, what AI and machine learning should be able to do is help you better engage and have more meaningful conversations with your customers and enable, you know, because I think people are craving for that uh, personalization and human uh, touch. And I think that if you can use technology to enable those conversations better, um, that's where, where success will, will probably, uh, most likely come from. So, you know, it's, it's not trying to replace the human, um, the human touch and the human personalized conversation. It's more so, uh, using technology to enable more conversations, more meaningful ones as well.
1: That makes sense. Okay. Um, you, you talked a little bit about the, uh, you know, your role with Ross, Walk us through how you get on the same page with him, you know, what his vision is for the company and how do you keep him on the same page with you, you know, your vision or your plans to make the vision come true? How do you guys stay on the same page?
0: Yeah, so, so um, it's definitely a well-documented process. We spend, um, once a week we have our one-on-one that's pretty structured, uh, that focuses around what are our top three priorities, uh, this week, each of us, and what were they last week to hold each other accountable to um, staying focused. Um, I think that's one thing that our our weekly one-on-ones um, help to do is keep each other focused because there's so much noise and we can be, there's so many things we can be doing and it's staying rigorously focused on the top three priorities uh, at any point in time, which helps us do the things that, that move the needle. Um, so our one-on-ones facilitate that and um, we have consistent touch points through, you know, kind of we're on WhatsApp or on, uh, our internal messaging system as teams we use for, for our company. So we're always in touch, but we like to, you know, kind of have a video chat once, once or, or in person once a week, we have monthly, um, check-ins, which are, you know, kind of usually offsite similar to the rocket fuel uh style you know offsite meeting where we you know catch up on personal life as well you know we're very much um friends and involved in each other's personal lives so you know maintaining that relationship on a personal level is something we do monthly and at that time you know we talk a little bit more high level on you know the vision and and how we are you know sharpening what exactly that is, and how we can continuously align priorities to focus on that vision, um, and then we have you know kind of regular quarterly um, check-ins that that usually are ahead of a board meeting that we you know kind of align there, so there's multiple <laughs> different touch points that we have in the calendar, and they don't move there's nothing that can that can um, get in the way of those meetings. We schedule around them, and we think of them as as hard firm uh parts of our uh, our calendars so it's really kind of that that's the kind of structure uh, along with a lot of uh casual conversation via instant messaging along the way uh, yeah it's awesome you guys have clearly
1: got the systems in place for it how many direct reports do you have
0: so yeah are, are we we're tip we are the the that type of rocket fuel style i the entire so all of the fun- functional groups you know kind of report to me from a you know from that kind of integrator perspective i have uh, nine direct reports so that's you know kind of the product side the, the technology side um we have an office in india that that houses our uh some support team and some development as well software development out of out of uh, India. Finance, customer success and support, and uh, sales and marketing, and and HR are all under under my purview. Um, and you know, kind of the way we see Ross as the CEO is really kind of the visionary leader. And and you know, there's it, it's kind of um, a loose structure such that you know we both kind of have uh, accountability for those for those areas. But you know, our approach. Is more from a vision and integrator style.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You guys are, are clearly working in the right way. What, tell me about some of the people issues that you've encountered that you guys have had to struggle with internally and, and what you may have learned from those.
0: You, you know what? It's, it's all been around hiring the right people. You know, when we, when we have had a, a struggle that is maybe something that, you know, there's always going to be struggles in each individual. Uh, you know, you kind of have to be dynamic in, in how you, um, get the best out of each of your, your employees. But, you know, uh, what we've noticed is when we hire, and I'll say the wrong leader, just because it wasn't that they were the, they didn't have the, the aptitude. It was just not the right uh, fit for us. They hire those in, in a similar fashion and, you know, getting that leadership hire, right has helped us kind of avoid a lot of the the people issues that we've had in the past. So I really, we really do believe in, in we spend a lot of time and effort on recruiting, uh, especially at the leadership level. And, you know, I got to say, we have a world-class team right now and it's only getting bigger and better. It's, you know, we've, we've, we're really starting to see that Mariposa has become a destination. So we're, we're, we're excited so it's really it's really hiring right that's that's been helping us avoid any uh, major people issues. you guys are in a
1: tough um, a tough market right now where you're having to compete against shopify you're having to compete against other technology companies. How are you competing against them, and are you exclusively hiring in the Toronto marketplace or are you also hiring in other remote cities as well? Yeah,
0: it's a good question. Um, I'll start with. I'll go backwards. I'll start with the hiring. So we have an office in Toronto and in Chicago. Um, we, you know, right now we kind of see the Chicago office as our go-to-market office. We've got a sales and marketing, a deep sales and marketing presence there. We have sales and market uh, some sales and marketing employees in, in Toronto, but you know the majority of the employees are you know kind of finance and administration. Uh, our customer success team is housed out of Toronto. And uh, we've got a product and development team here as well. So um, those are the two markets where we're hiring. And and, and when and and India is, is our other our other um, office. So we have three right now. We, and I, as I mentioned, you know, India is customer support um, and uh, some software development as well. We um, we really don't pay much attention to to, to the competitive landscape is very noisy in, in, in MarTech, you know, for example, there's 7,000 different companies, uh, right now. And, and that's what we're starting to notice. We're starting to notice that it's a confusing landscape. Customers are, are dealing with a very difficult issue. You know, when we sit down with CMOs, um, you know, they're trying, it's there's so many ways that they can, um, communicate their message and engage their customers. And, you know, they're getting hit by multiple different companies claiming to to, to solve their problem. But, you know, it's really all about ROI. And, and, and we really feel that way. And, and we're trying to just simplify customer engagement to the point where, you know, our space being so noisy, um, we want to make it easier. And, and I think that customers deserve that so it, we're not really focused on our competitors we're focused on delivering solutions that you know kind of companies and cmos um, are going to help them deliver roi uh while also simplifying and their team structures and and their uh go-to-market strategies yeah i love that you're trying to keep everything simple with this so
1: talk to me a little bit about the it and engineering groups it it's always felt to me that um a company that really has their engineering group completely aligned and we're building only the things that are most necessary, we're building them lean. And then the second half is the the group where the engineering and, and IT groups are <clears throat> building stuff they want to build and they're overcomplicating, you know, everybody's world. How do you how do you get IT and engineering <clears throat> to really be listening to the customers and building only what's needed?
0: That it's that's a very good question and I will say I'm gonna make it sound easier <laughs> than it is but it, it, it's very difficult you know I think number one your internal communication and feedback loops have to be um, have to be tight and you know um, relentlessly uh, keeping focus you know I, I'll start it also keeping focus you know I think simplify is not just you know a word for us it's it's something we we live by and um, I think that every single one of our employees as they, you know, we, we've got, it's splashed up on the wall where, you know, simplify and how did you simplify your day today? How did you simplify your customer's experience with us, communications, anything, you know, all the way down to did I send someone a calendar invite with the, maybe I put the num- the link right in the, in the location so that it's easier for them, you know, like simplifying everything and making everything Easier than it has to be is something we're relentlessly focused on, and so you know how we do that on the product side is is really getting granular on the scoping effort to begin with. Number one, you know, we've we've gone down the path of of scope creep and and you know teams wanting to build these having you know kind of grand um, ambitions, but then you end up kind of sometimes with nothing <laughs> because you, you scope it so um, broadly and it sounds great, but, you know, putting a rubber to road is, is a lot more difficult than you thought. So we really think about the initial scoping effort as keeping this, the making it simple and focusing on the, what are, are, is going to deliver, uh, you know, a simple solution and a simple result for, for our customers. And we have sales, uh, customer success, marketing a monthly roadmap meeting that we really discuss this stuff in detail so that we're staying hyper focused on delivering the best functionality that is craved and and so you know and that includes our current customers and prospective customers and we we try and keep our our finger on the pulse
1: yeah it's a, it, you guys are are approaching it the right way i've always been worried that it can kind of be the the tail wagging the dog and and it's how do you um how do you avoid that? I mean, they're just wickedly smart people, but the rest of the
0: business often don't understand them. Um, we also, we just to add to that, what we do, um, is we have a, a rotation. So, um, our customer success team has regular calls with, with our customers and, you know, we're kind of checking in and, and anytime there's obviously product feedback, what we do is we have, um, the engineering team, our, our development team, we have one or uh, several at a time, join the call, listen, take notes, and deliver back um, a communication to their team. And so, you know, every single month, there's a continuous, um, you know, kind of education of having the the IT team, the, the engineering team, actually listening to customers and providing context to, to some of the items that they're um, that they're thinking through because that helps them have the ability to make decisions on on how they do architect things or how they do you know kind of create a solution so we really are focused on having that customer centric feedback loop and you know without the broken telephone of you know the customer success manager passing on a message to you know maybe the the leader of the engineering team and then that gets then passed on to the team and maybe a, a weekly meeting we want to go right to the source so that there, we, we minimize any of those communication um friction areas It's
1: mm, good you talked earlier about top threes and making sure that that i think you were saying that everybody had their top
0: three walk us through that process yeah so um we have we have our company goals. So so the way we've kind of structured this, and it's, it was, this was a long process that we, we went through, but, uh, we find it to be super critical is we have, you know, kind of our top five, um, company goals for the year. And those goals are, are, they don't have exact, um, measurable, you know, they're not smart goals. They're just kind of visionary goals. And what we do is we set targets that, align with those goals, uh, you know, quarter by quarter for the course of the year and each and every, you know, thankfully in our, in our, um, HR software, we use bamboo HR and they have this really cool ability to tie, uh, your personal goals to the broad company goal. So we set our goals, um, upfront and targets and each and every one of our direct reports have, their goals set that directly tie to one of the, comp- the top five company goals. And so each and every employee, and that trickles all the way down to our you know, individual contributors who each of their goals ties to their manager's goals, which then tie all the way back up to our, our broad company goals. And it really keeps people aligned on, okay, how do I spend my week are, is this activity aligned with what my goals are for the quarter and for the year? Uh, and it helps them prioritize. And what I mean by top three is, you know, each week we we encourage uh, you know kind of a one-on-one check-in with all the direct reports um, that each you know manager has. And what they do is is they kind of look at the priorities, they talk about them, and they literally have the goals uh, of the quarter. Excuse me, just right beside at any point in time. And we look at them and say, all right, okay, this one's not aligning to, to your goals. Let's change what your priority should be this week. Um, and so we really keep that rigorous focus because I can, I've just noticed how easy it is to, you know, be busy and working really hard, but, um, not using that, uh, number one needle moving activity at any point in time it can be the difference between maybe faster success and, and, and slower success, but, um, you know, it, it's definitely been a needle mover for us. Yeah. You guys are following all the best practices. I feel
1: like I've been, um, I feel like you've been either sitting in reading one of my books or I've been teaching you or somehow we've been reading the same information, but the flow of how you guys are doing things is so similar to how we were running the business at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It's amazing. It's eerie. Can you,
0: um, c- c- just the way everything. I do t- read your books. Of course I read <laughs> your books. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just in the middle of meetings. Suck. I, we, we're, I'm trying to get the teams. In, that's my next focus: is meetings. Uh oh. it's, it's it's on my list. So that's an easy one. Have every single employee at your company
1: read "Meetings Suck." Get them for every employee in, in India, in Chicago, in Toronto, and have every employee read it because it's really, it's really written on how to not only run meetings but how to attend them and participate and show up at them. Um, that's cool. I'm glad. I didn't know that by the, the, uh, my, one of my whole tenets has always been that the leader's job is to grow people. And the more that we grow our people, the faster our organization grows. Do you guys have any systems or, or, uh, any beliefs around,
0: around growing people at all? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it starts from the top and you know, how, and you know, I would say that I interact with every single employee that way. But definitely, you know, I have most touch points with my direct reports and, you know, for example, and and this starts up, uh, you know, with Ross, the CEO as well, um, with how he treats me. And and we think about this, Maripost is a destination and an opportunity and and a tool for each and every one of our employees to achieve their goals, their personal goals, their career goals. We want to be a conduit for that and, and, and help them with that. So most of our conversations when we have our check-ins on a quarterly basis, for example, is are we still kicking your, your personal career boxes of, of what you want? If, if not, is there another area in the company that you could be valuable is it that you're in and that you're interested in? Or is it time for us to part ways? And and so you know having that care I think people really have resonated with that because if we care about their career in general and we've had to part ways with people you know like just recently we one of our our key employees moved on because it just wasn't um, aligned with with her opportunities uh, or or her goals in in the short term and we it was a very amicable and it was very, you know, we actually helped her or helping her find something else right now, uh, that, that better aligns with her goals. So I think when people feel that we care not only about what they do every day, but if they're really inspired and, and are achieving and, and growing in their career path and goals, then, you know, they take care of us. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, what you just touched on there as well
1: was you actually have what Jim Collins would have talked about is, you know, getting the right people in the the right seats. You're actually asking them and proactively trying to make sure they're in the right seats. But even by asking them, like, how are we doing and and are we fulfilling what you need as, you know, for part of your career, you're actually really understanding how to handcuff your A players, right? If you just take care of what they're looking for, they're going to stay. It's kind of like you know, that old adage in a, in a, a relationship, if you think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, go water your own grass. And huh. if you're, if you're just taking care of your employees, they're going to go through brick walls for you. Where do you struggle? Yep. Where, where are you, where have you struggled as a leader?
0: Oh, this is, all of this has been a struggle. It, it's been, you know, it's, it's so exciting and, and it's very much, um, it, it's been such a great ride, and I and look, I can't wait for the next two, five, ten years with it. Um, but for me, you know, especially coming from an investment banking background, I sometimes have a very high attention to detail. And I think that, you know, um, in investment banking, there's like a diminishing marginal return to each minute of, of work done, and you know. Uh, if you want to get 100% done, it's going to take you probably, you know, to get to 80%, if it takes an hour, to get to 100% probably takes you another six. Um, and that was a trade-off that you know, investment banking is okay because you have unlimited time and that's, you know, you, you're you're at a university or as you grow through your career, it's just, you know, kind of that competitive landscape that you're, and you're in the services business. So it's just, you know, that's okay. That's understood. And, and I've, it took me a year to really deeply understand that, you know, I think that I, I understood it at the surface level, but then it, I didn't really feel it. And, and people noticed that. And so, you know, I've had to work on letting go at that, you know, getting it to 80% and that, that velocity of work is more powerful than, you know, kind of less, less work, but maybe a little bit more polished. So, um, you know, there are certain things where you just can't uh, let anything less than 100% go out the door. But, you know, I think that that has been the biggest challenge for me. And and I think I'm still learning and overcoming it. But um, it's something I focus on a lot. What were your grades like in school? You were, 4- <laughs> were 4.0, weren't you? No, 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 no. But high enough. High enough. High enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're having you a- know, right?
1: I think you're having to unlearn what the school system lied to us all about. And they all told us that perfect was what we were supposed to go after. And the reality is no one's ever looked at our transcripts since the day we graduated. So it actually, Fair point. it actually never really mattered that we could have really gotten by with a solid B minus and had more fun, joined more clubs, been more involved, met more people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> dated more. Um, yeah. I don't think I could have played any more drinking games than I did. But the reality is that I think w- we were kind of lied to. And I think in the business world, we've heard about this whole concept of minimum viable product. And I think in some ways, it has to be minimum viable everything, but not completely out the door. But we have to pass it to another person who can then tweak it and make it a little bit better. But it's that momentum that
0: creates momentum, right? brilliant yeah i think that that's you you hit the nail on the head there that um you know iterative work and and velocity of work is way more impactful and 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 it compounds uh so so yeah totally to sit and
1: pack a snowball in your yard and just keep making it bigger is one way but to start rolling it it grows on its own right you've got it the momentum absolutely momentum we got to start rolling the damn snowball i think we get stuck in business and it's. I find it really frustrating watching these companies that just get stuck instead of just moving it forward. And the reality is we're not in, you know, for most of us, we're not in, you know, we're not flying planes. We're not doing brain surgery. So even if there's a mistake, um, well, I'll give you a perfect example. My newest book just came out yesterday, launched um, or launched two days ago now. Called Free PR, and um, and we worked really hard on it. I have a co-author, Adrian, who I, I used to coach, who's who built a company called Canvas Pop and DNA Eleven, and we co-authored this great book. Worked really hard on it. Worked with a great editing team, and I'm really proud that when my books go out the door, there's there just aren't spelling mistakes or grammar or, or problems with it. Somehow, one of the editors took a comment that we were talking about Alice Cooper. And he said that Alice Cooper was the front man for the band kiss. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I actually talked to Alice Cooper personally three weeks ago in a restaurant. So I just sent a friend of ours a note this morning, or last night. I'm like, Hey dude, you may want to let Alice know that uh, we just said he was the front man for kiss. So. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it changed for version two. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, well, well, yeah, no what you were saying that para- that it, it's true, right? like, and you can, all, I was watching that in front of us, that paralysis of, um, lack of velocity, because there's even sometimes a fear that you don't want to do anything because if it's not perfect, you might get, you know, uh, you know, feedback on it or it's, it's, it's a neg- it's viewed as negative, yeah. um, versus, you know, failing fast and moving faster. And, and we had to really pick up the velocity, uh, of work like it's 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 an excellent point
1: well I think you've probably got a big opportunity now to take that back and in deep into your company as well right I'm I'm gonna be screaming the message I'm actually gonna make a uh, I'll do a video post today on Facebook live about it but um, it just that whole idea of perfectionism is really I guess it's got too big of a grip on too many of us Joseph are you can yeah. leave- Leave us with one kind of parting tip. Something that you wish you'd known earlier on in your business career that uh, that you've learned that you now know today. What, what's a, a good lesson that you can give us? That's something you wish you'd known earlier.
0: Yeah, I think um, the one thing I learned when I was coming when I was coming into Maripost, I thought that you know all of my initiatives that I had in mind to to improve, you know, how the company was run and the things that I could do. I think I, I might have thought they were happening a little faster than they, 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 they should have. And, and I think change is, change is hard. Change takes time, but you have to, you know, kind of focus on the processes and the process goals that will kind of lead to those ultimate, you know, kind of results focused and, and, you know, the kind of achieved, um, and results. So, you know, it, it was because I, I, you can get really frustrated when you don't see immediate results for, 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 change, but it's, it's hard and it takes, and there's people involved. So it takes a lot of um, work and conviction, but if you stay the course, you know, and continue great things can happen. So maybe just expectations are important. Think about them when you set them ahead, because um, if you set them too tight, they can sometimes be demotivating. So yeah, very that's much. one thing that, that I learned from, Ameripos, from from my from my time at Maripos so far.
1: Very much. I, I heard a good quote from a mentor years ago, and he said it takes a long time to get to the night before you become the overnight success. Okay. Amen. You, should, you gotta keep keep working at it. Joseph Sharipa, the COO and CFO from Maripos, thanks very much for joining us on the Second in Command podcast. Really appreciate having you. Thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.